I'm Nate Hansen. I'm Tim Reuter. And we are Almost Heretical. You can find us online at almostheretical.com. Okay, welcome back. Nate, what are we doing this week? We're talking about heaven, maybe? Okay, but first, 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 first. We just recorded another episode that you're not going to hear if you just subscribed Almost Heretical. This is a second podcast we're doing, and it's only for supporters of the show. And um, we, yeah, we just recorded it. We're calling the show Utterly Heretical because we don't really have much filter on it. We, it's, it's raw. It's unedited. It's what, what, Tim, what, what is it? If Almost Heretical has created a slippery slope like your parents and pastors are afraid of, Utterly heretical is a push that is a race to the bottom of that slippery slope. It's really not. So that if bad. this if this has you teetering on the edge of hell and eternal torment, no, it's really not that. It's not but, that bad. But we do say we it's are fun though. It, it was. I think it was like the most fun we've had recording in a long time. It. Uh, we do say more things on there that we don't say on here, and we tell more stories and more parts of stories that we don't always get to on some it's just time we don't have a lot of time to get to things on here um it's a little freer and anyways you should go listen to it utterly heretical episode one is live now you can go to patreon.com slash almost heretical and uh and find it there cool but here we are okay so heaven we just did we just talked about hell for three episodes but there's the other place heaven it did kind of feel like it's like you know, I already struggle with being pessimistic and cynical. Like, you can't only do <laughs> only do a long series on hell and, like, not even mention the good stuff, right? Like, yeah. you should at least have some optimism. It's it's very classic of me of just, like, focus on, the, focus on the bad. Well, I think I mentioned this in part one, I think, but I really, you know, most of my life didn't hear so much about hell. We heard some crazy stories from people who were completely traumatized with pictures of hell. And I guess, I mean, to an extent I was, you know, asking Jesus into my heart over and over again growing up because I was, uh, you know, afraid of, of hell when you boil it all down, but there boil it all down. Man, there's so many bad hell puns that we've discovered as we try to title these episodes. Um, and as we talk, but but mostly it was a positive experience of this place you do want to go and heaven and what that was not so much what it was going to be like, but just that there was this amazing, perfect perfection, this place that you did want to go to. And so, oh, that reminds me, I, I want to talk about perfection, the idea of perfection and, and returning to the garden and all that stuff. We'll get to that. But you know what I'm saying? So I think there are there are a lot of people out there who didn't necessarily have traumatic experiences of you know, depictions of hell that were given to them. And that's why they were trying to be saved or whatever. But it was just this, this positive experience of this, this good place that, that you can go. And, um, and I, yeah, I've seen that, that change over time. I think what, what is talked about a lot, thanks to N.T. Wright largely. Um, and then guys like Tim Mackey, um, and the Bible project is, is even in kind of reformed circles, hearing and talking more about like heaven on earth and new creation um which i think is a, is a lot more of a helpful explanation than kind of this picture of being on clouds with harps that i think some people had um in the past that was a lot of stuff tim help me out here uh well actually so we uh recently announced to uh some of our patrons that we were going to do the heaven series and one of our supporters uh, a guy named benjamin uh, sent us a message and he said something that I thought was really, uh, apt. I hadn't really thought of it this way. Um, but he basically said pretty much like, okay, cool. You guys are going to do a heaven series, but really like, I don't really care. Uh, and his point was like, I cared about hell because of how toxic so much of the stuff, uh, the ideology and the preaching around hell has been that it's, it's terrified people, traumatized people and scared people away from Jesus. Uh, heaven on the other hand, um, isn't as important essentially to deconstruct and reconstruct, uh, because it's not like, it's not like boring, that boring vision of, uh, angel babies on harps is scaring people away from Christianity. It's more just kind of like a silly, a silly point. Um, so for him, he's saying he, that, uh, he's interested in the conversation, but it's not nearly as emotionally important to him. So I totally, totally understood that. Although I hadn't really thought that yet, but I'm curious, Nate, is that, uh, ring true to you uh, that 
thinking well about heaven, is that less important or significant than uh, trying to start thinking better about hell? Kind of, but I'll, I'll say this. Largely what I was doing in ministry was telling people that um, we're leaving this place. So here's another toxic view, but that has the positive spin to it. Not the earth is going to burn so much, but just we are leaving this place. And um, I'm, I'm thinking of all the time about heaven, eternity on my mind, you know, and I'm just so focused on this uh, other world. I mean, I literally pictured it like this other world that I was going to. And so um, it, my my time here until I take my last last breath was all about telling people about this other place that they could go. And I think there's something psychological there when you are really checked out of um, this world, the, the actual experience of what you're in right here and what you can see and the people you're around. And um, Alex and I were talking about this, about how we didn't really even focus on like our own personal well-being at all, like learning more about ourselves and who we are and like things like therapy and um, becoming better versions of ourselves because we're, we were so focused on like this other world and that we were going to, you know, magically become these other types of people and all this stuff. And I think that it really is toxic. We were realizing how that has set us back on our journey of like health as human beings personally, and then being able to like even have anything to offer other people around us um, because we were, you know, so focused on this. So I think there, I think there is a toxic, obviously hell when you're, you're talking about that and the, the torment and the telling people they're going to, that's, that's what they're going to experience. Like I get the trauma there, but I, you, you see, I'm saying there's like, there is an aspect of that, that, uh, that is present even when we're talking about something like heaven. Yeah. I think what I hear you saying is that, uh, the most toxic element about, uh, various heaven theologies was escapism. Uh, that this all this place is all just going to burn up, and so it doesn't matter uh, what we do in this life. Both we mentioned the like recycling and destroying the earth uh, example uh, from our past ministry world, but then you're talking about like even just the neglect for uh, personal well-being, health, uh, self-care uh, in the modern vernacular. Is that kind of kind of right? That that piece basically that this life doesn't matter ends up actually being incredibly toxic. Uh, in the world you and I come from, I know it was really close to the sort of, uh, martyrdom, um, Messiah complex thing where the more you were essentially self-inflicting, mm, yeah. not, not <laughs> self-torture, but basically self-inflicting non-well-being, for the sake of uh, the gospel, that that was, you know, the the kind of honor badge uh, that we all were striving toward. It was like the the medal we wanted to get, which made it, uh, you and, and I and our wives and families and close friends, we all had to go through many years of unlearning that so that we could actually learn how to take care of ourselves and each other, especially when we, uh, when we got married, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't focus on yourself that was sinful to focus on yourself and your needs and um your emotional health and spiritual health um so yeah we left that whole season just completely drained um we didn't even so drained that we didn't even know what was wrong we didn't even know what um what we were feeling we just knew we were completely drained and so and 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 again largely i think the focus was on heaven it wasn't on hell um, what I was teaching on and what I was talking about all the time was, was heaven and this, you know, this, this next life that we're going to. And I think there is just something really harmful about that. It, it's so disconnected from our human experience. But because it's harmful because it wasn't at all integrated with understandings of what leads to good living here and now. It was, exactly. it was totally separate. So it actually exacerbated... Uh, you know, none of us are really good at taking care of ourselves or each other. Like we have to learn the skills to do that. At least I, th- I think that's mostly true. Um, and so you, especially when you're young, right. And we're all like in our early twenties, you know, just trying to not eat microwave food all the time. is like <laughs> a hard discipline to get into. Right. Uh, let alone like, you know, when we start to get to the age where we 
need to start processing our childhood and deep trauma and wounds and stuff like that. Like none of us are very good at that and it's hard. So then if you have a theology that is essentially exacerbating that by saying, just pretend that's not there, ignore it. Don't, don't focus on that. That's all worldly stuff that we're not supposed to care about. Um, I, I totally uh, see the toxicity in that, but I think uh, more what, what Benjamin's point was is that if what we're trying to do is just sort of, you know, how should we imagine the concept of heaven, right? Or then the piece where it's like, how should we try to figure out and understand what the biblical authors had in their imaginations when they're imagining paradise or the new Eden or the new creation, whatever. Um, If we get those ideas wrong, it makes God seem maybe boring or trivial or non-important or like a hovering helicopter parent. It doesn't make God seem like a monster in the way that eternal conscious torment and various depictions of hell make God seem right. Oh, yeah, it totally. seems like totally. in that, in that regard, there's a little bit less at stake. Totally. So I, we weren't actually planning to do a series on heaven for pretty much for that exact reason, right? We wanted to do a series on hell because we've heard so many stories and have had so much experience with the trauma around, uh, ugly theologies related to hell. But then I don't know, we were like halfway through the hell series where I at least started to realize, um, you know, as much as I pick on and um, and try to undo the way that we've arranged various ideologies and pieces of Christian theology in our head, uh, one piece that I think is kind of uh, okay, that for once I don't want to pick apart, is the connection between the concepts of heaven and hell, like that these are integrally connected ideas and so to talk about one you kind of have to talk about the other or to think well about one these are two integrally connected uh, ideas they're not exactly equal mirrored pairs uh, but some of the questions that lead to uh, the concepts of heaven are related to the same questions that led to the concepts of Hades, Gehenna, Tartarus. So what we tried to do in the hell conversation is essentially to re-complicate the conceptions, right? It had been overly simplified even just in the word hell uh, is is a mass oversimplification. So we try to back up, expand it, show how there's multiple ideas lumped into that one conception, and then there's disagreement even of different pieces of the ideas. And by doing that, the hope is we could sort of liberate ourselves uh, from some of the uglier pieces of uh, the hell conception. And I think what we'll find is that actually when you compare the way we do something similar with heaven is it'll be really interesting the way that you, I'll argue you can't think about heaven without thinking about some of these other things and ideas that are integral uh, to the concept within the scriptures of heaven. It'll be interesting to see which of those we'd already said are completely connected to hell and which of them will feel totally brand new. For instance, uh, what we're going to have to talk about uh, if we do a deep dive into into heaven is how the various biblical authors conceived of human beings and human bodies. And then that'll quickly take us into this crazy world of Old Testament, New Testament cosmology, where there are gods and these spirit beings, and then we are the earthling terrestrial beings made of the the dirt of the earth and there is a a war relationship happening this war for power going on between these two species uh but one in which we somehow have a future of becoming no longer earthly beings but essentially extraterrestrials oh my Uh, word okay (laughs) yeah we'll get there time out time Uh, out (laughs) (laughs) okay um hold on (laughs) let me just my point is we'll get there you can unpack that you can call me an ultra heretic whatever i joke that i want to call one of the episodes uh maybe the mormons have it right um because there really is a lot going on in terms of glorification deification and uh even just like right in paul's plain writing my point is we didn't talk about any of that when we talked about hell right so if I'm right in the sense that we need to talk about those things to talk about heaven. Well, 
well, why didn't we have to talk about that in our conception of hell? And I think what it'll do is show, oh, actually, maybe some of our conception of hell was even more oversimplified than we thought, right? If this is how broad and complex the heaven conversation is, for instance, in another example, we're going to talk about heaven as a revolution and a, a basically all about power and a reversal of power. Well, why is it that we didn't talk about hell in that way? And then I think what we'll see is we'll learn more about hell as we talk about heaven, learn more about heaven as we go back and talk about hell. It's uh, Okay, that sounds a little less crazy. Um, the, the other stuff she started saying reminded me of the conversation we had in Utterly Heretical, the Patreon-only podcast, mm-hmm. about whether or not we even believe this stuff like getting to i guess a a better picture of what the biblical writers are saying what they probably had in their head and then i asked him on our other show how much of this do you actually believe um and that was kind of a fun chat so go check that out but when i'll just say up front if if you want believing in heaven to get easier or to remain easy uh, then I would say go get any one of those now uh, rescinded books about stories of like kids going and seeing heaven and coming back uh, that I think all of them have basically been proven false at this point uh, or proven manufactured. Go read those and stop listening to this podcast because this podcast is going to make, uh, hopefully, you have some more beautiful, interesting conceptions in your head. It it will make things more complicated. And I think at the end of the day, it'll make it harder for you to just say, yeah, I believe that. So that's not really what we're in the business of. I'm not trying to knock anybody off of their belief pedestal. That's uh, we're 59 episodes in now. If you're here, I, th- I think you want to go on the journey with us. So uh, I think we should do that. Yeah. If the word extraterrestrial in the first five minutes of the podcast uh, is scary enough to, uh, to get you to leave, it's probably best you just abandon ship now that might include you nate and then it's just me here See you. <laughs> hey brian do you know anyone that was once a teenage fundamentalist uh, troy you know that i was because you and i have a podcast called i was a teenage fundamentalist i did know that but you know what i find myself asking these days no i don't but i think you're gonna tell me what about all those things that church gave us definite answers for what are we supposed to think about all those things now Well, funnily enough, that's what we're doing for season five of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. Ooh, Brian, I sense the Lord at work here. Mm, He works in mysterious ways. And we are going to unpack these things. We're going to find out what we do think about them now. So tune in to season five of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, the official podcast for the Azusa Street Revival. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure that's true, but it is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> okay, okay. So those that are still here, uh, I think, want to be here. Tim, where do we need to start when we're thinking in a fresh way about heaven? Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, this is another one where I've got 50 pages of notes. And very hard for me to get down to what's the best logical order of this. So some of this I'll just say bear with us as we kind of bounce around. But for me, I'm a big picture person. uh, And the details are are fine and interesting at times, but I need to have a big framework to, to fit them into. And one of... Before I started getting frustrated with evangelicalism and power dynamics and abuse in the church and all of that, some of my early uh, grumblings with the kind of theological uh, training or even just uh, the kind of theological culture of church that I had spent my kind of like late teenage, early 20s years in was that we didn't really ask good questions. And, and asking good questions or figuring out what the right questions are or what the best questions are, or even figuring out what the questions that the biblical authors were themselves asking and answering, that wasn't really a part of it. We like skipped the questions and jumped right to uh, the answers. So when it comes to, to me, when it comes to studying the Bible, or honestly, when it, like even just my favorite podcasts to listen to, storytelling stuff— is when you have a a good question, Mm. a fascinating question, a profound question, an important question, a significant question. 
And uh, so what I like to do is, is, is back up and figure out kind of like we did with hell, like what were the questions being asked by the biblical author, by the audience, by the culture around, by uh, the Jewish people, what were the questions they were asking either aloud or just everybody's, you know, kind of thinking these things that ever led to, for instance, using Gehenna, uh, this town dump on fire as a, a metaphor, right? Like where, hmm. how did that ever come about? So where I like to start is basically like trying to at least brainstorm some of and list out some of, I think, the biggest questions that heaven is an answer to. And again, this will sort of shoot us right into seeing it's much more complicated. It's not just one question. It's many questions. And heaven, again, is just like the word hell, is an oversimplification that is, for us, is going to be a box that holds many other ideas, ideas that relate to paradise. You mentioned perfection. We'll kind of get there later. Eternity, this sort of like time scale, right, where things last a really long time. Uh, Eden and a return to this garden uh, paradise setting, the temple, uh, all of these things are different facets of what we've just called heaven. Um, so let's just start with some of the questions. I've got a list, but when you said eternity and thinking about what that did, your um, it made me think of. Did your head used to kind of like break as a kid when you tried to think of eternity? You tried to think of something never ending. Oh, you know, if I've I'm tempted to say yes, but I think it might just be because I've heard so many people share stories of that like I might be projecting those stories onto my childhood I actually can't remember that um I do know I was like many people as a kid and again I didn't grow up in super entrenched in uh church culture as a kid it was just all very boring um it wasn't as much like oh let me figure out the timing and mechanics of this it was just like boring it was more of like a general sense that there's a good place and a bad place. Uh, what I, part of the thing, part of this conversation I'm excited to get to is how many Jewish thinkers, rabbis, and even some of the biblical authors were evidently, we, we can see this having dialogues about the timing dynamics and the various philosophical issues that, <laughs> that come about, especially with the concept of resurrection. Uh, that piece is fascinating to me of like, as soon as you have a concept like never ending time, if you think hard enough, you end up finding all sorts of problems, right? Like things that can't work, uh, you know, like just throughout, like, do we still eat food? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> what happens if you get a cut and it doesn't stop bleeding? Like all of the, you just get into these questions. Uh, and, and you can see some people have tried to answer them. Some people just like, yeah, just don't think about them. You know? Um, I do remember, however, though, getting in a, a fight of one of the more embarrassing, this might be like top of the list, uh, most embarrassing, uh, actions taken back when I was in my totally like police, the borders of orthodoxy, in a staunch conservative mindset back when I was writing papers on hell was I totally bought into the idea of heaven as simply the place where holy people spend time with God. So there was no world around us, no things. So there certainly weren't going to be pets. And I remember oh, uh, one, Let's actually, you know, her Tiff, yeah. one of our good friends who, uh, who lives here in Bend with us now, uh, She's been a big animal person uh, and had, a, I think it was a cat uh, back in San Francisco. And I spent like weeks trying to convince her that there was no room in heaven for her cat. <laughs> I remember talking to now, you about that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yeah. Oh, just so <laughs> despicable. Uh, uh. A, because now I think that's exactly false. Like if there's no room for cats, there's no room for anything. Although I'm personally have a bias towards dogs, but that's, I was going to say cats are probably the, one of the last things getting it, but yeah. Okay. Keep but going. like that thing is the same reason people go on these like, you know, Twitter trolling rampages and, and literally like emotionally torture people, right. To try to bring them into orthodoxy is 
I think her cat was sick or something. I can't even remember. Oh, damn. Her cat might have died. Like damn. this was, and and she was single at the time, so this was like a very connected cat, like uh, a very emotionally significant cat. And my whole point was that basically all of her emotional connection and her sympathy towards that animal were un- not only wrong or false or like uh, illogical, but were unchristian and unholy. So I was trying to get her to like not give a crap that her cat had died or whatever, or her cat might have been going to die uh, because of how stupid my conception uh, of heaven was. I do remember that. Oh dear. That's pretty bad. Um, I was just going to say that when you, you mentioned like, what is it going to be like? Are we going to eat food? I remember uh, a big one for the the church that I started, we were talking all the time about how there's not going to be marriage in heaven, right? Because of that verse. And, um, and how that means that in order of priorities, you need to focus, don't focus on your marriage, don't focus on your family, but focus on the mission of God of getting people saved to this place where you're not going to be married to the, so marriage was a very practical thing in our group of like, you needed this to be better for the kingdom so that you could save more people, but don't focus on the actual like dynamics of your marriage so much because that's just a distraction from saving people for heaven. But it was just this weird, like circular thing. Anyways, I, I do. I remember that, but, um, okay. Yeah. Another tangent and a whole series that I've had notes for, for a while, uh, is one of the great hypocrisies in, in modern evangelical Christianity is embodied in the, in literally the organization focus on the family and just its name, focusing on family, whose primary agenda is to reinforce essentially like mid-50s patriarchal gender roles and family uh, patterns, right? Uh, and especially engaging in a war against uh, LGBTQ uh, equality. And at the same time, th- much of that world is what you just said, is simultaneously... <laughs> diminishing the insignificance of health and quality within marriage so that it, it one on one hand you're basically saying like the most important thing is to reinforce heterosexual marriage as the norm in the culture and at the same time what we need to do is diminish the importance of all of these people participating in heterosexual marriages and them having any ability to do this thing well and right <laughs> just crazy right right yeah okay heaven questions okay so if you were to try to uh, imagine in your mindset not just i mean you can include when you're a kid kind of early stages and then uh later years the last five ten years of your life as you thought about heaven what would you say were the questions to which heaven was the answer Hmm. i guess the main one is where do the people who God loves, where do they go? What happens to them? What's the, what's the benefit for following Jesus and being um, a Christian and all all of that? So that was, I think that's the main question um, Hmm. that what's the benefit. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, but then there's also the, the other side of like, the benefit is Jesus now, right? I remember Brandy Miller talking about that a few episodes ago. Um, and I, I remember a lot of that and teaching a lot of that, like, you know, don't do this for any other reason, but, but for Jesus now. And then heaven is just more Jesus for all of eternity, right? So there's definitely the benefit of like your personal relationship with Jesus. I definitely taught that. But, um, but ultimately you're making this trade-off. You're, you're choosing, like you said, you and I were very much um, kind of a part of, this what some would call the uh, poverty gospel of like suffering for Jesus and sometimes intentionally, often intentionally putting yourself in um, in bad circumstances, in uh, in negative circumstances in order to suffer for Jesus because the more this trade-off you're making is I'm going to suffer, I'm going to choose to suffer and um, beat my body now so that I can have this reward later. We talked lots about like, the crown that you're going to get. Right. And I mean, yes, you're going to give the crown up or whatever, lay it down. But like this, this, uh, it really was, yeah. A benefit, an eternal benefit. It's yeah. I, w- I think benefit is a, is a, you made me question it, whether or not that was a appropriate word, but I, I really do think that 
that that was a picture that I, I taught. Um, it's hard for me, honestly, to remember back too far. So I really, when I talk on the show, I'm, I'm generally talking about like what I taught in the church that I planted, but that's sort of what I would have held to, I think. Right. Yo, and I don't question heaven as the benefit or the the point, right? Um, I don't question that that was it because I, I, I think I just actually, it had been a while since I just heard it put that bluntly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Even if it was framed as, well, heaven is life with Jesus to infinity, right? You know, in strong doses, even if that was uh, the way it was framed, that still is saying that the heaven is uh, the benefit. I think it's easy to see though, how clearly that question or that way of, of explaining the point of heaven can only exist like within the world of Christian culture, like a, within the world of the religion has existed for a long time and we're explaining the value of the religion. What? Explain that. You know what I mean? I like, no, I don't get it. So that question is basically what is the value of being a Christian? Right. What is the benefit for, for participating in this religion? If you just think about that, there's no way that that question preexisted the religion. Right. It has to have a reason for why this thing started in the first place. Right. And I think we, most of us, I've thought hard enough to know that the way ancient Israel and uh, the ancient Jewish people was working was not like, what is the benefit to being a Jew, right? Like (laughs) (laughs) you were a Jew or you weren't a Jew. So if you were to have come up with a conception of heaven or, you know, say inherited through divine revelation, if that's the way you want to think about it, a conception of heaven, it certainly could not have been as what's the benefit to being in this religion, <laughs> right? It would have had to have, have been connected to other questions. Um, so the first one, like you, you've probably uh, heard this, but the first piece of the question is the, the word heaven uh, in Hebrew, it's actually a plural world. It's plural in Hebrew. It's actually a plural world. <laughs> ah, geez. I'll just, okay. Apparently I can't say plural word. So we're just going to say that heaven was a plural world which is actually also true uh, in Hebrew. Uh, Usually I would edit that all up and clean it up, but uh, no, it's it's dead. There you go. Coming to you straight. Uh, so it's the word skies. Um, and, and that's uh, Shamaim. That's what the, the... Is this like the heavens declare the glory of the Lord? Like the heavens, like sometimes we... Is yeah. it sometimes translated plural, even in English? Totally. Sometimes it's translated plural, sometimes it's translated... Uh, Singular, and I think there is some justification for that. I don't, I don't think it's justified, but there's some justification because, as we'll see, um, when one question is just what is up there when I look up in the sky, like if it's sunny out and the sky is blue, like what am I looking at when I see that big blue mass? Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's nighttime, like what is that that I'm seeing? Like what, what do we call it? But then also what is it? What's up there? Uh, we'll get into some of the details of divine cosmology in this three tiered earth and how they thought the sky was the bottom of essentially another flat world. And that when rain fell, it was because God had opened up the windows and water was falling out. (laughs) So they actually thought they were looking at the bottom of a sea, whether they like literally thought that, or they just decided that's, that's what we're going with. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but literally, so then connected, and you'll see uh, pieces of this all throughout the scripture, is a connection of, like, where does wind come from? Hmm. Like, we now have, like, weather science, right? And we still don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we, well, we kind of know that, like, wind doesn't come from anywhere. Right. Like, w- wind is created because of temperature differences and moisture differences and all that. Uh, but then, like, w- like I just said, where does rain come from? Or where does lightning come from? what is sunshine? Like, where do these yeah. things happen? Uh, and so what you see is there's literally like a conception, uh, it gets repeated forever that the word storehouses is typically the way it's, uh, translated in most English Bibles, the storehouses of heaven. Like there's just a big tank up there. No, like literally there's, there's storage rooms. Like a silo. Where God keeps the wind, the rain, the lightning, okay. the sun. Okay. <laughs> like, I appreciate that. I appreciate it, actually. You know, I mean, we're talking, and we have to remember this. We're talking about a very uh, primitive, as far as 
uh, our culture today is concerned and someone will be saying this on a won't be a podcast but something in a thousand years someone will be saying something about that about our culture but you know it's a very primitive understanding of the world and i appreciate that that's that's actually um you know, I think if we try to explain that away in the Bible and like, hey, that's not actually what they thought and they actually knew all along, it was just, you know, then then we're we're cheapening what this this actual experience is of actual people. Okay, sorry. Totally. Yeah, someone will listen to this podcast and be like, Tim actually thought wind was based on atmospheric pressure differences. Like, what a fool. Like, they actually believe that. So basically, heaven equals sky. Like, it's the skies, but it's also, we don't have a conception of, you know, in the recent past, we we literally transported human beings through heavens and realized we could get all the way up into outer space, and now we know what stars and stuff were. So we have this whole conception that we just can't get away from of sky, atmosphere, ozone layer, breaking out of orbit, space, mass, gravity, cold, darkness, like all that sort of thing. They just had a broader general conception. Um, But this is where you kind of get heaven as a place. What we'll see later too is there's also, and and it's a place up in the skies. There's also emerging with this is this idea of paradise connected to the Genesis stories of this paradise garden in this land Mm -hmm. called Eden. So there are actually some texts, uh, especially some Second Temple texts, where you'll have one author talking about heaven or paradise as in the sky and also some some distance away on earth, to the east, to the west. Like it's a place that you could go travel to and find and it can be conceptualized. So oh, interesting. in one sense, heaven is just this sense of far off place, inaccessible you know, it's on earth, but it, it's so far out. We don't know where it is. Like, we're probably not going to find it. So you have stories of like Enoch as a literary character goes and travels to paradise, but it's here on earth. Mm-hmm. And then you also have stories of Enoch going up to be with God in paradise in heaven. Anyway, uh, another question, and it's totally related, is is where does God live? <laughs> and then I think we're more familiar with that question, right? It's like the Sunday school version, like God's up in heaven, uh, but connected with that and never would have been separated is where do the gods live, right? Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> we have a conception that God is the only divine being. Uh, again, we keep saying go back to the first 10 episodes or so of the podcast. We're going to actually recover some of that ground in this heaven series. So hopefully you don't have to keep going back, but if you need an intro, do go back and listen to the uh, basic conception of Jewish monotheism was not about there being one divine being, but about Israel, God's people, only worshiping Yahweh as the utmost uh, divine being. They believed there was a whole plethora of divine beings, the sons of God, Elohim, uh, these angelic beings. They don't, they're not earth beings. So what are they? They are, they're heaven beings. Uh, they're sky beings or <laughs> spirit beings. We'll, we'll kind of get into some of that. But the idea is that there are two realms. There's earth realm. And again, it's hard for us to picture this because we know we live on a spinning ball of rock, right? And that then beyond us is like massive amounts of empty space and then stars and planets and whatnot. But to them, it was basically a flat world. Underneath that flat world is the underworld and above that flat world is basically the upper world, right? So the, the dead go down to the underworld to Hades. Um, we, when we're alive are here as these earthlings. Uh, but then there is the second realm of non earth space, uh, which is basically the, the divine space. So that's part of where you get these like geographic, if that's even the right word for it, spatial ideas of heaven right? Which, uh, which are sort of how we think about it. We still sort of think of like, you know, heaven as a place in the sky. We just know that it's not like literally just above the clouds, right? Yeah. So where do we actually think it is? Like if you were to push someone on it, is it like a different dimension essentially is how we would talk about that? And maybe we don't need to get into all this, but (laughs) you mean like, what would Ken Ham think? (laughs) We should ask him. Like, yeah. Like what is the, 
What is the, yeah, he'd return our call. What does the, I probably still have his number, honestly. So I used to be a producer of a Christian talk show in Los Angeles, California. Shout out to you, KKLA. And uh, I had all, I still have all of the numbers for all the people that you potentially don't want to talk to. So um, I think we should have a show sometime where we just call up random people and try to have a talk, try to have a talk with them until they hang up on us. I have Dinesh D'Souza's number, and I think that could be an, a, uh, a a bad and interesting conversation. That could be the end of everything. Yeah, but yeah. So okay, so you're saying this is this is literally what they thought they they thought this. This kind of reminds me of like John Walton um, trying to understand like what did the writer of Genesis actually how did how did they conceive of the where we are in the the cosmos maybe cosmos isn't even the right word for their conception but right uh and and again i'm saying yes and no about whether this is literally what they thought uh my point is this is where the conception for when it's where the word comes from right like so when we say heaven we are saying sky that's what we're saying uh so where did the conception of a sky as the word that's going to contain all of these other concepts, right? Of what happens after you die and eternity and paradise, those things. The first couple reasons are that when you look up in the sky, when you're an ancient without modern science, you start conjecturing about what is up there. And part of that conjecture led to that is God's abode. Okay. That is where, where God and, and the gods exist and live. And so part of the conception of heaven is heaven is the divine house. That is the divine realm, the divine abode, because it is the sky and because sky is up away from here and there are stars in it, which look like shining gods, essentially. uh, And therefore that is where God lives. So there are these conceptions like God sits on his throne in heaven and the earth is where he puts his feet right? Like the earth is right. God's footstool. Like that's the basic conception. Now, I don't think anyone literally was like, yeah, if you go around this corner, like, you know, uh, two wagon blocks to your left and like turn around that hill and you'll see God's feet. Like, I don't think it was that literal. My point is this was some shared conception, uh, but loaded in, in here is that. So then when you get into the, some of the more religious connotations, uh, one of the questions is similar to what you listed is what happens when I die? So this is one that we said is exactly parallel to, the, to where the idea of Hades came from, right? Like we see people die and we know they're not here anymore, right? They're not talking, they're dead, their bodies will decay. We put their bodies in the ground to literally become the earth again. Uh, but what happens to us? This was the idea of like soul comes into it's totally totally connected yeah and again that's part of why i say we'll have to get into the question of of what is the and and related here to heaven what is the nature of a human being Hmm. and that shows up on page one in genesis uh what is the nature of of a human being what are we made of what part of us if any exists beyond death what part of us is contingent on this body is it, are we a body? Are we more than a body? Are we less than a body? All those questions, right, are wrapped up. But where it comes to, to heaven, primarily, especially, and this is pretty close to our modern caricature, is when I die, does some part of my body or some part of myself live on, mm. right? And so that's like pretty close. Our caricature is like there's body and a soul. Your body dies, your soul floats up. You know, there's even like the, uh, is it all dogs go to heaven? Is that the cartoon I'm picturing? Or is like all these... <laughs> Probably. But it's like the cartoon thing, right? Where like the color would fade and like the the like spirit ghost version of the... Would escape out the and thing would float like up. float up. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of know what I'm talking It was like... I can picture and, it. Oh no, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of who framed Roger Rabbit. Oh. <laughs> that, I, I maybe saw that one time. Yeah. Go back. It's great. I think I'm thinking of like a video game. Maybe it's The Sims where the character dies and you see and the way they depict death was this like, yeah, kind of ghost spirit figure, like floating upwards. Right. I, I think it might've been the Sims. So, okay. So that is exactly the same question that leads to the concept of hell or 
Hades, which is ingrained in the concept of hell. Uh, and then the next one is exactly the same question too, is how will God set things right? That's the, that is the question that drives the entire biblical narrative. The, the flow of the, of the Bible as a cohesive story sets up a problem in chapter 3. And that problem sets up the question of how will this problem be solved? And so that question is, is the core <laughs> question of Jewish theology. And so that's where you get connotations of there's a return to Eden, a paradise, and the end of dying, the gift of eternal life, and, and then all of the different pieces of how theology conceived of what was wrong. For instance, Rome was in power, <laughs> and they weren't supposed to be. Uh, the people of God who are tasked to be the people to rule the world in God's stead on God's behalf, Israel was actually being beaten up by the powers of the world. All of the things in terms of like, how are things supposed to be? Not just from a general philosophical uh, level, but from the the Jewish scriptural story level, like what was the, the thing supposed to be headed towards? That gets lumped in, not because that's the same question as what happens when I die, because it's not. <laughs> Just like we said in Hades, Hades is the answer to the question of what happens when I die. You go into the grave, some part of you kind of exists there. Gehenna is a very separate and different answer to the question of how will God set things right? He'll hold people accountable, right? So some part of heaven is related to just what happens to us when we die. Some part of heaven is related to God's restoring peace and shalom on the world. Does that make sense? Connected but distinct? Yes. So it's the place we go, but it's also the... And I think that kind of gets merged together in some of this new creation, you know, Jerusalem coming down. Isn't that kind of merged together? It's the place you go and it's the setting setting to right? Totally. So uh, we'll get into it in detail. Jerusalem is basically the best thing that ancient Israel ever had going. And therefore, it becomes the symbol of the best. It becomes the new symbol for paradise. So at the beginning of the story, the symbol for paradise is a garden. And it's a mountaintop garden that is a temple space where God and humans dwell. And what we're, we're almost supposed to picture like, you know, the, uh, the gardens of Babylon and those like beautiful hanging gardens that exist in the desert. It's like this oasis thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once you have Jerusalem, that actually replaces as a fuller analogy. So the language of the new Jerusalem uh, gets used as a sort of uh, addition or uh, a second, second phase of the Eden analogy, which is basically the, the world capital of this perfect, beautiful city on a hill kind of deal. Um, and so that phrase gets intertwined in this idea of uh, a heaven or the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, all of that. It's why it's been so hard. You've got this, like you said, N.T. right trajectory that's like, no, it's about our life here and now. It's about God inaugurating his kingdom. That's what the gospel story is about. Um, and then you've got these other people like, no, it's all about going to heaven. Like, but the concepts are intertwined. The concept of heaven is intertwined with the concept of new heavens and new earth, even in like it's there in the phrase, right? Like the new heavens and the new earth. So in one in that phrase, for instance, that means new skies, new divine space and new human space. That's what that means. But that phrase as a whole, new divine space, new human space is heaven. It's, it's the newness of things, right? It's the fixing of things, the restoration of things. So all of it's intertwined. Uh, but, but there are parts of our caricature of just like, yeah, it's, it's perfection. You know, that's kind of our character. Uh, it's just things, nothing bad happens. Only good things happen. Uh, like if you, if you watch any of the sitcom, uh, that came out this, was it this last year? Yeah. I saw like one or two episodes. Yeah. It's, that's what it's playing off of. Right. Yeah. So they'll have these like little jokes of like, there's endless Froyo flavors or something, you know, cause it's this play off the character of like. It's all just fun all the time. Like it's uh, kind of like a child's imagination of heaven. Uh, if you let a <laughs> if you let a, a kid pick what uh, their heaven would be, um, but what we'll see is there are other questions ingrained in 
what needs to be set right or how will God set things right that are totally different from the questions that I think most of us modern readers bring to the text. So for instance, we bring like, (laughs) how will I get all the Froyo flavors I want? You know, maybe not that uh, juvenile, but it's like, how will I just have like, like bliss, Bliss, right? That idea. The beach in Hawaii. Uh, This perfect bliss. Right. Uh, I think one of the main questions is actually that the biblical authors had in their head is how will human beings regain their rightful rule over earth? If they live today, they would say over planet earth. In the day, they didn't conceive of it as a planet. Uh, but, But that is, I think, when they're reading Genesis 1 through 11, that is the problem is that divine beings have taken over humanity's right to rule this space. How will human beings regain the right to rule this space? And how will they rule it well? And obviously incorporated into that question will, is, well, who are the human beings that are supposed to rule it, right? And at one level you have the people of Israel. At another level you have individual representatives of the people of Israel. But this whole concept of power, who is supposed to be in charge, it runs right through the the piece of uh, the heaven thing. And it's actually the first one I want to kind of get into because it's, to me, kind of the most um, interesting and perhaps uh, particularly pertinent. Um, but <laughs> this idea of r- rulership, right? So I think some parts of the church in the last 10, 20 years with sort of a regained understanding of Jesus as inaugurated king, king of God's kingdom, Um, and not just this like suffering uh, sacrifice, right? Uh, Some of this rulership stuff has been uh, more focused on uh, and I think better understood uh, by Protestant Christians, but I still don't think we have any clue how central this idea was to all of the biblical writers, that the goal was, the best encapsulation of this is Paul's little snide comment, which is basically a slap on the wrist, of don't you know that you will judge angels? Like, th- if that can be a snide comment that Paul makes, that he's assuming, yes, everyone knows that they will ju- judge angels, right? Uh, that's a that's just a basic assumed part of early Christian theology. And we all read that and we're like, what the heck is Paul talking about? That's because it was part of the core concept of the the story is that humanity is supposed to be regaining its right to rule over the divine beings right now we are being ruled by the divine beings and part of again it's weird part of how we'll get there is we will sort of become like the divine beings in some way somehow anyway that question how will humans regain the rule and then the one the last one i'll list is where is where you get into all sorts of hilarious uh, logical hiccups is what is the nature of resurrection So we won't do it now, but you can trace the development of the idea and belief in resurrection long before New Testament. This is not a Christian invention. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament uh, and then through other uh, Jewish writings, but contingent in the idea of our bodies and lives coming back to life after we die brings us right back into those questions. Are are we mortal or immortal beings at our essence? (laughs) What are we? You ask any person out on the street today and there will be like total disagreement on are we, or or just say Christians, are human beings inherently immortal and death is unnatural or are we inherently mortal and death is is normal and to be expected? Hmm. Uh, Philosophically, obviously we know we all die, but philosophically that question of like what does it mean to be human and and then (laughs) kind of more practically, when we picture ourselves and our friends, so say, imagine a hundred years from now, Nate, uh, you and I are dead and we're picturing ourselves being resurrected to life. What part of us will that be? Like what version of us will that be? How old will that exactly version of us be uh and and then like will that world we are resurrected into be the same world will it be a different world will it somehow be kind of both those things at one time 
uh, all of those questions get lumped into concepts of heaven. I would say our conception of heaven is is a simplification on one side of many of these questions. So, for instance, like we said, the escapism things come escapism comes from saying that heaven will only be different from this world. Yeah, right. We can burn this world up and pollute it because it's only different. You could go to the other spectrum and say heaven will only be exactly the same as this world. Mm-hmm. But there's probably some blending of those two concepts going on in the biblical author's minds. And you could you could point to all these questions and say, not only is there blending of different answers to these questions, just like with the hell conversation, there's diversity. So not all the authors are going to think in exactly the same ways. The same authors won't think consistently uh, in every place, not because they're idiots, but just because they know these are complicated questions. So that's just a list of them. You could add more to them. I, hopefully it's helpful to kind of zoom out and say that clearly... Uh, all of those questions aren't answered by one simple word, heaven, (laughs) right? Like that one simple word is a box that contains many different things, places, realms, concepts, ideas, hopes, and all of those things have been lumped into the box. So what I'm going to try to do is like punch a hole inside the box, let everything out, and and see all the different things that are in there. It's a very uh, timely metaphor for us right now, but we're both in the process of moving. You you just moved <laughs> and are moving in, and we're about to move. So uh, boxes, you know, we're in boxes. Um, yeah, boxes. Uh, okay, so are you confident enough to choose one of those questions for next episode and say this is where we'll start at least next episode? Yeah. Which one? But <laughs> that doesn't mean we'll do it. Yeah, Here here's a little teaser. I think the first one we'll get into is is heaven as a reversal of power. And so remember, I said part of why I wanted to pin these conversations together is that I, I think it's telling and informative if some of the concepts and questions surrounding heaven weren't included with when we brainstormed what are the concepts and questions leading to our conception of hell. And when I, we got into a little bit and I said part of the conception of hell, it, for me at least, and, and I will argue that for the biblical authors as well, is that of restraint of power. Part of the, the key paradigm at work here is that Hitler can't have power in hell. We can get into how that comes about, right? We could kill him, we could chain him up, we could torture him so he's preoccupied, whatever. You could play around with that. But part of the key uh, idea is that Hitler can't have power to do what Hitler wants to do with that power. And then you can get into the reality of most of us should not and cannot have the power to do some of the things we want to do with it, right? I make the same argument about heaven, that heaven is all about power. And so if a part of hell is the restraint from power a core part of the basic idea of heaven is the giving of power Hmm. to people who do not need to be restrained. Does that make sense? That's cool. So what we'll get into is basically heaven, key part of the conception related to that power thing is, and we'll see this, it's so clear in some places, others it's a little more murky, that sometimes heaven and hell is simply a way of saying that the power structures that exist here and now will be reversed. So those who have power now will no longer have power. Call that hell if you want. Those who have no power now will have power to rule. Call that heaven if you want. Mm. So we'll get into that, and you can we could have conversations forever. That would be super fun. Uh, I, lo- I actually love doing thought experiments related to power because it's such a complex and all-encompassing uh, thing. But since we have talked about power in the show, and I've been forever trying to make the case that uh, that thinking around the concept of power and how significant uh, social power is in the Bible, that that's the, one of the central themes. Um, I think it'd be a fun way to connect heaven and hell through through that theme. Yeah, that, that sounds fun. And it sounds in keeping with uh, the, the main topic, the main theme of uh, this whole show, which is the Bible is a story about power. Uh, okay, so we'll do that next time. Um, Thanks so much for listening and for being on this journey with us. You're not alone, and there are so many others um, journeying through this as well and trying to trying to find their way. And we hope that uh, 
the conversations we have here is uh, helpful. It's helpful in that. And um, if you want more, um, we do have additional content that's available on our Patreon page, including the Utterly Heretical podcast. Episode one is out now. You can find that all on almostheretical.com or just go straight to patreon.com slash almost heretical. If you have any questions, thoughts, pushbacks, you want to share your story uh, or anything like that, we'd love to hear it. We read every single email that comes in and uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us contact at almost heretical.com. All right, friends, we will catch you next time. Peace out.